It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to episode 10 of the Atop the Pitbox podcast. I'm Zach Dick, along with my partner, Josh Rolfus. We're going to discuss all things Atlanta and look ahead to the race this weekend at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Josh, take it away. So uh, this is not your typical your typical podcast for us. We've got some roadblocks here that we've been dealing with. I'm in I'm in vacation in in the Ozarks, and Zach, you've been sick the last few days, so we we did not want to leave everybody without an episode. So we are here. the The quality may not be the best. We apologize in advance for that, Uh, but we're here. We're ready to talk Atlanta, and we are are gonna gonna put it out for you guys. So, um, Zach, how you feeling? Definitely been better, man. But it it is what it is. You just gotta let it run its course. Yeah. So I'd rather be on vacation. I'll tell you that. I I agree. I got the lake behind me, and it's a it's a nice little view right here. So, uh, before we get into the race recap do you want to thank everybody for listening please subscribe to the podcast to get notified when new episodes drop we will be at the west side in harlan iowa on november 6th for our year-end celebration and then also don't forget the discord the link is emailed out with the standings and when norton notifies everyone through email and tweet on when the podcast is available so good stuff happening there now let's uh let's get into it talk about some free agency news kind of some big some big happenings here yeah this this was one of the crazier announcements that i've seen in nascar in quite some time and the reason why i say this is is tyler reddick is under contract with rcr this year they picked up his option for next year but they made an announcement yesterday he actually broke in to denny hamlin's press conference he was having like a mid-season review with toyota and tyler reddick breaks into the press conference and the lady like had no idea what was happening she basically told tyler i think you're in the wrong media room and then he's like nope nope he's here we've got some news for you 2311 has signed tyler reddick to drive in one of their cars starting in 2024 so that is the biggest news probably of the year so far free agency wise in my opinion just because it's it's still a year and a half away and it just puts him as in Tyler Reddick in a really awkward spot racing for RCR for a year and a half and it puts Richard Childers racing in another really awkward spot um, as they basically have a lame duck driver and they're and they're trying to find a new driver for 2024 so I remember tweeting you guys, you know, the the headline that Tyler Reddick has signed to 2311 Racing. So when I sent that out, what were your thoughts? Well, my first thought was I saw it on my phone and the the, the alert came up and I saw that, that that Reddick was signed. So to me, in my head, I automatically went to, oh, okay, they picked up his, his next year. We talked about, you know, Richard Childress picking up 2023. Like, oh, they, they must have saw the win and, and liked what they saw and given him another year. And then I went and actually read the tweet and I was kind of, I was kind of baffled. I, I, I really didn't have any uh, idea that this was a thing uh, in NASCAR. Uh, it was kind of exciting for 2311 to get a, to get a new car. What number, do, what number is he going to have? Is he, is he going to take over Kurt Busch? So they haven't announced or come up with any yet. They don't even have any sponsorship and they have nothing figured out. That's why, you know, this announcement again is very unique. And Danny Hamlin came out and said, he was our guy. We wanted him. I got him, but we literally have no idea if we're going to be a three car team in 24 or if we're going to be a two car team, what the sponsorship are, you know, level is from, from any of their partners they have none of that figured out at this point other than they he wanted Tyler Reddick to drive for him and he went out and got his man. Is this a preview of what's to come for Kurt Busch 
Like, is his is the writing on the wall now for him? Does he think like I'm I'm up there in age and I've been driving and and now my my time has come and and they're gonna replace me with Tyler Reddick because that's that's kind of what it seems like. I would agree with that. I mean, Kurt Busch is racing on he's been racing on one year deals for a while. So with his age and where the team is, I could see him racing next year and that be his final year and kind of let Reddick swoop in and, and take over his spot. Almost like what Truex is doing with, you know, racing one more year and then Ty Gibbs coming up and taking over his seat most likely. Obviously none of that's confirmed, but that's what I would assume is going to happen. So it's a very similar situation as to that. So again, nothing's confirmed. Bubba Wallace is under contract. Kurt Busch is under contract for, I believe, next year. I could see Bubba Wallace losing his his spot in that team. If if it's between Kurt Busch and Bubba Wallace, I know Bubba Wallace has, you know, the outside uh, attention that brings to the team. I just – his performance isn't worth a spot. And if, if Hamlin is trying to grow this team into a championship contender – I don't see that with with Bubba Wallace. Tyler Reddick has a lot of upside and would make a lot of sense. And even Kurt Busch, you know, keeping him on on the uh, the payroll and bringing him into a a leadership role within twenty three eleven, I think is is probably something that's very possible as well. But if I had to pick between Kurt Busch and Bubba Wallace on the keep, I'm keeping Kurt Busch all day. Now I'm going to be the opposite. Wow! I'm, I'm going to be a, uh, I'm going to pick Bubba Wallace, and, and I agree with you 100. The on-track performance is not good. I don't think Bubba Wallace is that good of driver, but he is the only African American driving in NASCAR. So you have Michael Jordan as an owner, you have Bubba Wallace as a driver. It's a natural fit. It's a natural pair. Like you said, there's more eyes on him because of his background and all that, which helps from a sponsorship standpoint. And then you got you just look at the, the age difference. I mean, Kurt Busch is, I don't know the exact age, but I'm guessing he's probably mid-40s. Yeah, he's up and there. And you have Bubba Wallace, who, who might be 28, 29, 30, somewhere around there. So the, the, the runway is much longer for Bubba Wallace than Kurt Busch. If you look at it from a from from the whole picture standpoint, but I agree on track. Kurt Busch definitely has the better track record than Bubba Wallace, but there's a lot more that goes into play with these drivers other than just the on track performance. So we'll if see. One thing we'll see I know about out. if there's one thing I know about Michael Jordan, it's that he likes to win, and Bubba Wallace doesn't seem to be a winner. He's got one win on a shortened rain, shortened uh, race. And I just, I, I can see Michael Jordan being like, let's get somebody in here that can actually win. So now let's get into Atlanta. I, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, you've been sick and, and I've been uh, on vacation because this was a race that I was looking forward to talking to you about. And I know we, we usually <laughs> get together on Monday morning at work and, and, and talk a little bit about the race before we podcast, but we haven't really chatted about this one too much. And so I want to, I want to get your thoughts. I know that there was, you know, I was a proponent of, of Atlanta and the, and the race, and you were very much against it. So after watching this race, did your mind change? And what were your overall thoughts on Atlanta this weekend? Okay, well, let's let's circle back. And what has been my biggest complaint with the repay of Atlanta? What is my biggest complaint? The two lanes in passing. Two lanes, can't go three wide. And again, the same thing happened on Sunday. Do I think the racing was better? And I, and I actually sent that out in a text to you guys. And I'll be honest, I only watched a little bit of the race. I was flying back from Chicago started getting sick. So I wasn't able to watch a lot of the race. I was able to watch um, each like the last five laps of each stage. And I watched the last 15 laps of the race. And from what I saw, again, you couldn't go three wide. So my biggest complaint about Atlanta is there's just not enough room on that track to have it be a super speedway and be able to go three wide and give guys options and, and 
passing wise and in turn gives us from a fan standpoint, a better entertaining race. With that being said, I do think the race from what I saw was more entertaining this time around than the first time the spring race, for whatever reason that is, I just thought what I watched, it was more entertaining. And then obviously that last 15 to 20 laps was exciting. And I think a lot of the excitement had to uh, come from Corey LaJoy. I mean, we were thinking about, you know, chaos and the playoffs. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I want Corey LaJoy to win this race and just flip this playoff standing upside down on its head. Just, you know, teams and drivers who haven't won this year will be scrambling these next couple races if he were able to win. So with that, if he was to win, there was something about him him winning and him he has to be in the top 30 in points or something to to qualify. So even if he would have won, because his performance has been so lackluster this year and he hasn't pointed enough, he wouldn't have qualified for the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you know where he sits in the standings right now? I honestly don't, but that that is true. You have to be in the top 30 in points to qualify for the playoffs. I'm guessing he's probably between 30, 30 and 30. 334 somewhere around there but I don't think it would take I mean a couple good races here to end the year he might be able to sneak into the top 30 which is why it would just I, I was really pulling for him he's got a cool story he's got a, a NASCAR background um stacking pennies podcast because he's driving you know on an underfunded team um it, it would just would have made a, a heck of a story and and made Atlanta you know a really fun race to talk about but it didn't happen Epic block by Elliott, um, which, you know, he, he did what he had to do. Um, but overall, I thought the race was better than the first time around. But the biggest problem I have with Atlanta, and I'll give you a quote from Ryan Blaney. This is what he said on Sunday after the race. You can't really go anywhere unless you were the nine and you were the fastest car by a mile. This was a survival race. That's what you get when you're speedway racing at a mile and a half. So that sums up my feelings exactly is the track's just not wide enough to be a super speedway, but that's what NASCAR wanted to do. And that's what they did. So overall though, again, pretty solid race, Jeff Gluck's pull. So this is, this is kind of funny. It was compromised. He was worried about this. If you follow him on Twitter, he was worried about this. Apparently it's gotten big enough that for some reason, companies or a company decided to buy a ton of votes. And within like a two-hour span, there were 6,000 no votes. So prior prior to this happening, it was about 80% yes, 20% no. And then all of a sudden, there was a mass influx of no votes. I may or may not have been a part of this. I bought, I bought a bunch of votes. I'll just come out and say <laughs> yeah. I bought a bunch of votes. But... After after the uh, the influx of no votes, it went to like 60-40. So with that being said, I think his poll would have showed that a lot of people thought that this was a good race. And I, I just want to go back to your complaints about Atlanta and the, the two wide racing and the passing. So I did watch the whole thing. I thought it was a great race. Not the best I've ever seen, but it was absolutely an entertaining race. Whether or not there were two lanes, one lane, four lanes, the lanes worked, they were passing, they were, they, they were treating it like a super speedway where you had to, to have the push and, and you had to have the drafting partners. Yes, there wasn't a third lane constantly. There was enough because I did tweet at you a bunch of times in the beginning of the race uh, about the three wide racing. But the fact that there's only two lanes should not make this automatically a terrible race. It was a it was a very entertaining race. Chase Elliott was the fastest car. I mean, there, there's nothing you can you can't argue that. So I think maybe there's some frustration from Blaney, but uh, it was I, I just I, I completely this is really the first time I think that we've really disagreed on this podcast to a to this level. Uh, we're usually pretty pretty in line with each other, but. I, I got to totally disagree with you with, uh, with Atlanta. So let's get into the stages and, and let's take a look at what happened. So in the, the beginning of the stage, Elliott versus Chastain for the lead. 
Chastain takes the early lead. We had Reddick and Blaney battling uh, behind them and then eventually battling for the lead. Hamlin, early on, his car was super fast. He was on the move from, from towards the back and, and actually on lap 23, takes the lead. Then lap 24, the next lap, Blaney passes Hamlin for the lead. So we've had a, a, a lead change after lap 23 and 24. So then lap 25, Elliott comes back, takes the lead. Chastain gets loose off of a, I don't remember which turn it was, but gets loose and falls several spots back in the, uh, in the pack there. With that being said, I think he got a little help from, from his friend, Danny Hamlin. So you're, you're going to get loose when your when your uh, rear end gets lifted off the ground or, or you get some contact in, in the rear and, uh, Danny Hamlin wasn't isn't going to cut him breaks anytime the rest of the year, especially you know as we move forward in this race. We'll kind of talk about what yeah. happened, but Danny didn't the last make time we hear Denny about didn't make two. things easy on him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Denny didn't make it easy on him, and uh, he did get loose and fell a handful of spots. So that is just a preview of what's to come. <laughs> Lap twenty six, we get the comp caution, and Kyle Larson's car had some serious issues they had to go under the hood an extremely long uh pit stop for for kyle larson martin truex my boy my pick speeding on pit road <laughs> entry and he has to go to the back of the of the field uh we get the restart elliot goes to the lead and kyle bush was looking pretty good in this stage uh was up to second battling ryan blaney who was up to the top for most of this stage with 10 to go. Blaney actually passes Elliott for the lead nine to go chase passes him back. So we got a, a back and forth there between Blaney and, and chase Elliott with three to with three to go Blaney and Elliott are going back and forth. And finally with just a couple laps to go, Bowman pushes Elliott to the lead and Elliott cruises to the stage one victory. So a good start for Chase Elliott and Chase Elliott fans. We get to the second stage and Tyler Reddick was off pit road first. He was up 12 spots. Truex was up 22. And that had to do a lot with the a number of tires that they took. Um, so they, I believe that they did not take any, or maybe Truex took two, but most of the field took four, four tires. Those two did not, and they moved up significantly. And Reddick took the lead after the restart. And then lap 70, Truex takes the lead. What a great, I was feeling fantastic at this point. I said, my boy's there. He's uh, ready to, to, to do it. Lap 72, Eric Jones crashes into the wall. No caution on that one. He was able to continue. Lap 75, we've got Blaney versus Truex. And they were battling. And then... A big Both caution. our picks. Both our Both. picks of the race. That is that is true. That was there was a good point where they were battling for for several laps, and it was very exciting to watch. So we had the caution for Busher, who blew a tire and took out B.J. McLeod and Ty Dillon. Was that was it his tire that time? I, yeah, I, something. I, I think it was a tire issue. And, and again, we pointed that out on last week's podcast. Is that Elena was having some really bad right rear tire issues, and I, yeah, I don't think it was as many as it was last time or at last race, but there were still quite a few right right rear tire issues for whatever reason. Yeah, for sure. And then we had the pit stops. Hamlin with a slow stop, so we've seen issues with his pit stops all year, and that that continued today. The restart. Our boys are back at it. Truex battling Blaney for second place. And lap 87, Elliott passes Truex for the lead. And then we get to lap 91. We get a huge crash. Chastain gets into the back of Truex, which started the crash. Logano and Larson were involved, along with Kyle Busch. Uh, Austin Dillon had a huge hit into the wall. Uh, McDowell, I think, was collected in that. Just a, a crazy, crazy kind of uh, speedway crash. It seems like Chastain just can't get away from Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. Those guys 
are around each other nonstop. And it seems like up until this point, Chastain has wrecked each driver multiple times and, and is not making any friends on the racetrack. And Truex, as we've talked about, is not one that's going to, to do anything about that. However, the man in number 11 car, he might. To be determined. <laughs> to be determined. All right. So we, uh, we get some pit stops for the caution for, the, for the, the crash. And Byron leads the race off of pit road. After the restart, Stenhouse jumped out to the lead. So we're already starting to see some, some different names at the top of the leaderboard than we had uh, previously uh, with Stenhouse taking the lead. Lap 103, Harrison Burton takes the lead. So I don't know if that might be his first lap led all year, uh, but he takes the lead. Lap 105, Byron battling for the lead, makes the pass. Then at lap 108, we get a, another caution for Chris Busher with, like you said, another tire right front. Uh, caused a, his, that just fell off his car and was rolling down the, the track. And that brings out the caution. We've got a restart that Byron leads. And lap 137, Chase Briscoe spins out, left rear tire shredded. So now we've we've got two instances in this uh, in this stage with the tires. Yeah, and if you look about if you look at their pit strategy, for I was kind of surprised to hear that there were teams that were not taking any tires, or some teams that were taking two tires. With the issues that they had in the spring race, I thought for sure that these guys would be taking four tires almost every single pit stop, and you know they weren't doing that. They weren't using that strategy, and it seemed like that was coming back to haunt them because uh, tire issues were, were the name of the game again. And I, I just don't understand how these, these teams keep having tire issues. It's, it seems to be a, a storyline each and every week, and I'm not sure it's going to go away before the end of the year. At this point, I think we have to just hope that a tire issue doesn't factor into the determining who the champion is. I would hate to see you know a tire blown on five to go and – and Chase Elliott's about to take the, the checkered flag for the championship and, you know, some knucklehead and his tire blows and, and takes him out. So hopefully they, they figure that out. But we get, uh, we had the tire issue with Frisco. By, Byron leads the restart. There's only 14 to go in the stage when Reddick passes him for the lead. Six to go. Elliott passes Reddick for the lead. Two to go. Bowman blows a right rear tire. And the caution comes out, and Chase Elliott wins the stage under caution. So we ended up with three tire issues in, in this stage and quite a bit of passing for the lead. I just want to throw that out there. I'll take your word for it, Josh. <laughs> Stats don't lie, bro. <laughs> Let's get to the final stage. And we've got Stenhouse, who uh, was done for the day. So his car gets sent to the garage. Kozlowski, equipment interference during the pit stop. So he goes uh, to the back of the field. Austin Sindrick leads the field after the restart with 91 to go. Eric Jones makes a pass for the lead. And then on that same lap, we get our eighth caution of the day. Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick, Byron, Ty Dillon again, and Smithley. I don't even know who that is, but he's one of those drivers that just hangs out and drives around the track 10 laps down each week. Yeah, that, that sums it up 100% correctly. <laughs> uh, took took uh, some big big drivers out there, unfortunately. Yeah, so caution at lap 90 with 91 to go. Then we've got Chastain versus Eric Jones for the lead. Chastain takes the lead, followed by Elliott, who was up at the front this whole entire race. 71 to go. Kyle Busch crashes with Cody Ware and I know we're going to talk about this one because he's your boy and he got on the radio and was whining about the spotters and and it's always somebody else's fault when he crashes he shouldn't be running back there with the the 30 place cars if he doesn't want to get mixed up with that what do you say about your boy again not surprised he's he's saying comments like that it seems like he's, I mean, I mean, with him on my fantasy teams, these last 
two, three, four weeks have not gone his way at all. So hopefully, hopefully he can, you know, have a good week here in New Hampshire and, and move forward from that. But he's got to start producing some better results. Corey LaJoy wins the pit, the race off of pit road and leads after the restart. So another name that was, you know, obviously doesn't have any wins this year, but another different name at the top of the, the race leaderboard. 59 to go. Chase Elliott takes the lead from LaJoy. And there was some really good racing between Corey LaJoy and Chase Elliott. It was really good battles back between them and, and just hard racing. With 56 to go, nine takes Elliott takes control of the lead. We got 25 to go. We get our 10th caution for Christopher Bell. Uh, he lost a left rear tire on pit road. Was So did he end up getting suspended or not? I know there was some confusion around that or some questions around whether or not his team would be suspended for this incident. Yeah, so this is this is a unique situation because if you think about the teams that have that have had to serve, you know, four race suspensions, the tires have come loose off the car on the racetrack, and in this case, the tire came off on pit road. So they just announced it. I think it was yesterday or early today that they are not going to face a suspension because they did not lose the tire on the track. It was lost on pit road, so it wasn't deemed a danger like it would on the racetrack. So his team did not get suspended. And the funny part about this is, is that some of his crew members are from the Bubba Wallace team. And of course they have more issues. So it it is incredible uh, how many issues that team has had. I mean, these, these pit crews guys just keep finding jobs. They went and messed up Bubba Wallace and now they're down there messing up uh, Christopher Bell. It was, it's crazy that I, I just can't believe that there's not guys out there that can do it a little bit better than, than these guys. So we'll see, see what happens. So with 19 to go, my boy, Martin Truex takes the lead. 17 to go, Truex is battling Chastain. 16 to go, Truex battling Elliott, who passed Chastain for second. 14 to go, this is where the fun started. Chastain spins Hamlin out. and. If you're Hamlin, so, I mean, <laughs> you gotta be <laughs> livid. So, so just let's just set the stage here for this wreck. Chastain was involved in an earlier wreck, and the front of his car was mangled. Like it had tape for days on that thing. Use like if this was last year's car, he would not have been able to, to continue and be up front contending for the race win. So that kind of sets the stage for what happened here. Chastain's again got a mangled front end, a lot of drag on the car. He got really, really tight. He came on the radio and said, I, sh- I should have just backed off. He knew he was going to push up the track, and that's exactly what happened. He pushed up the track. Got into the left rear of Denny Hamlin, spins him out. Obviously, Denny Hamlin doesn't care what the explanation is. He he has had his his fill of Ross Chastain. He uh, came out, basically said, it's, it, it all works itself out in the end. Take that for what it's worth. Ross Chastain said, this is completely different than what happened at Gateway. There he was driving in over his head. This time, his car... A lot of damage, got tight, pushed up the track. He did all he did. To, he did all he could do to save it, and unfortunately, he didn't save it. So, again, Danny Hamlin doesn't care the explanation. Chastain wrecked him again, so that's number, you know, three or four this year that they've had issues. So, I basically, if I was a betting man, I would I would throw a lot of money down that Ross Chastain is going to get wrecked by Danny Hamlin before the end of the year. Yeah, that's without a doubt. I mean, that's, it's a matter of when it happens, not if it happens. And, and the thing is with yeah. Ross Chastain is he, he's had issues in the past, aggressive driving or wrecking Hamlin and Elliott and Truex. And he comes out and he apologizes. And at first, you're like, okay, the guy's owning his mistakes. He's, he's trying to be better. But at some point, he's a NASCAR Cup Series driver. You have to, you can't continue to make these mistakes. Either you're not good enough or you don't care 
or you, I don't know what the reason could be, but you can't continue to do this. It's not going to be good for you as Chastain. I mean, he, there's no way he does anything in the playoffs because if he even sniffs like the championship, Hamlin is going to take him out. There's, there's, he's not going to let Ross Chastain win this championship. So he's already put himself behind the eight ball there and he continues to make enemies on the track. And I just, you can only plead ignorance so, so often and so frequently at some point you gotta, you just gotta be better. Agreed. 100%. 100%. He's put it, he's put himself in a bad spot. He's put his team in a bad spot. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I, I just don't see it ending well for Ross Chastain this year. Yeah, for sure. It it won't. I, I think you can, we'll come back and, and I'll play this again when it, when it happens. Cause I, I'm telling you, he's going to, he's not going to win a championship and he's going to get wrecked by Hamlin. So that's, that is a, a, a win, not an if. So with eight to go, we get a restart or Corey LaJoy in the lead. Then we get the 12th caution. Logano spins out Hamlin with some additional damage with three to go. We had some three wide racing, some really hard three wide racing. Corey LaJoy takes the lead with two to go. Elliott passes LaJoy, and then the final lap, LaJoy crashes and takes out Kurt Busch, and, and he kind of, he, he had to make a move, and he thought he saw some, some opportunity up at the top of the track, and so he moved up to, to try to create that third lane and just got too close to the wall, cut his tire down, and, and, and crashed and, and took out a couple, I think took out Kurt Busch, and I'm not sure if anybody else was, was part of that, but I don't fault Corey LaJoy at all for that. I think you got to, you if you're in his position, you have to make a move and, and do something special. You're not going to win just by playing it safe. And so I like that move, final lap, go for the win. And didn't work out for him this time, but I do like, I do appreciate the, the move. And Elliot, who we've been talking about all day, wins the race and survives. So he wins all three stages, wins, all the or led the most laps so he gets negative 13 fantasy points which is the uh the the least points that you can get for any race drive driver so in a week so uh good to see from chase elliott yeah and so i'm gonna play devil's advocate here chase elliott he had to throw a block everyone would have threw a block but he threw the block which ultimately led Corey lejoy into the wall and crashing, took out his chance to win the race. He even said at the end of the race, basically, I had I had to do what I had to do. He admitted, yes, I threw the block. It caused him to wreck, but he's going to do that all day of the week. And I circle back to the issues that Chase Elliott had with Kevin Harvick last year in the playoffs, where Harvick kind of pinched him off into the wall. And LA got pissed off and decided to do his, you know, his stunt where he literally was just out there holding Harvick back, which then cost him the win. And then you think about earlier this year in California, where Larson had the lead, Elliot was trying to pass him. Larson blocked him off, and Elliot's freaking out on the radio, saying, you know, what the heck's he doing? You know, he just about wrecked us, blah blah blah. So I just want to put that in perspective. It's funny that, you know, when he's when, when a driver is in the lead, a driver throws the block, wins the race, all is fine and dandy. But when they're on the other end, it's a completely different situation. So I just wanted to throw that out there. That is the first thing I thought of when he threw that block and caused Corey Joy to wreck is I thought about him and his battles with Harvick last year. And I also thought about California when Larson pinched him off in the wall and Elliot's freaking out on the radio. So. Just want to let you know about that. I, I don't know if you remember or recall that situation or not, but it's funny when when the roles are reversed, everything's fine and dandy. I do remember that. And I, I guess I really didn't think that block was as aggressive as maybe what Harvick did or, or what Larson did. When I when it happened, I I didn't think, oh, what a what a what a terrible block or or man, I I that's a that was a questionable racing move I, I just saw a guy trying to to win trying to pass or trying to keep somebody from taking the lead on the final lap and 
to me, it looked fine. But again, I am I'm biased. I'm a Chase Elliott fan, so I was rooting for him. But it didn't it it didn't look as bad. I didn't even think anything of it until after the race when people were talking about uh, the the block and 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 if there should be some repercussions or how it how it impacted the race. So that's it. It wasn't that bad to me. But again, I could be I could be blinders with my my fandom. So Elliott wins the race. Our picks. Truex finished 11th. Ryan Blaney finished 5th. So no winner this week, which is good because we didn't come up with a freaking uh, wager. So <laughs> we, we we failed uh, everybody and never came up with one. So we need to do that, and we, we will because uh, I'm going to win one of these weeks. So we will come back with something, but nothing for, nothing for last week because no one won. And now we can actually start talking about some fantasy discussions and and getting into the impact that this race had on the fantasy standings. So with only a few races left before the playoffs, we had a team average of 78 for the week with a low of 26 from Jasmine Rolfus and a high of 130 for Jared Matheson. And when we look at the top 10, we had uh, some, some, some movement, but not as much as last week. Again, Taylor Schleiss, Stayed at number one, no change for for Taylor. Steve Rolfus is in the number two spot, and he moves up one spot. Number three is Crazy Dale, number two, who jumped up five spots. Number four is Jasmine Rolfus, who moved up 12 spots into the top 10 and is a new addition to the top 10. Richard Rainey is in fifth, same thing as last week. Same thing for Ryan Brash, number two. He was sixth last week, is number six this week. Bigger Sandwich fell to number seven, down three spots from last week. Dennis Musich stayed at number eight. Mark Krejci up five spots into the top ten. And lastly, number ten, Tammy Colby, who's been at the top for the last few weeks, fell to number or fell, fell to number ten, down eight spots. So we had two new teams into the top 10, Jasmine Rolfus and Mark Krejci. So we had two that fell out. Adam Holtz fell to P12, and he had 77 points, so right at the average for, for this week. And Zach Dick, number two, uh, fell to P11, so just outside the top 10 with 68 fantasy points. So 10 less than the average still fell out of out of the top 10. What do you think about it's our... Crazy. our uh, top 10 here well this there was some uh big movement here you know up 12 down eight plus five plus five so uh, again when you have a a low score of 26 and a high score of 130 there's going to be some major shake up there so when you think about those scores it's not surprising that there was some pretty big jumps there me p11 it's it's funny you know i I, you do 10 better than the average yet you still fall uh two spots so um Kyle Busch has really led me down right now. Again, I hope he can right the ship and get back on track this weekend. So we'll see if we can make that happen. But yeah. in regards to the biggest, biggest risers of the week, at Brian Martin, 89, went from P63 to P44. David Bangert, at David BNGRT, went from P40 to P24. And Kinnick, a.k.a. the Sandwich family, went from P37 to P23. And you look at those teams, they all have Chase Elliott. Like you pointed out, Chase Elliott had the best possible week that a driver could possibly have. It's definitely going to hurt or help your fantasy cause when it comes to that. So uh, congrats to those those three teams. In regards to the fallers, you have Jack Griffin went from P65 to P80. Carl ah. Edwards, Carl with a K, went from P24 to P39. And Zach Dick, number one, yours truly went from P36 to P50. All I can say is, is this team is completely tanking at this point. <laughs> I made a trade. I wanted, so I had two drivers the same on each of my teams. So the thought process here was, is I was going to shake things up, diversify, pick two different drivers to hopefully not have, you know, both teams tank. 
Both teams were in the playoffs or close to it when I made this trade, and obviously one this this trade has backfired big time. Um, I think I, I've lost about 50 points because Dan Grable and Tracy Norton, this is the team that we all had the same drivers. Dan Grable, I think, has about 50 less points than what this team has. He didn't make a driver switch. I did. I chose Bowman over Harvick. Not looking good at this point, but hopefully the, hopefully this team can get back on track, but Carl Edwards and, and my number one team are literally identical. So Kyle Busch didn't have that great a week. Bowman, terrible week. Busher, terrible week. And then you look at Jack Griffin. Byron was involved in a wreck. Logano was involved in a wreck. Reddick was involved in a wreck. Bad week by Kyle Busch. So those those teams are going to take a hurt uh, a hurting after after the uh, the weekend that you know our drivers had last week. So. Again, hopefully we can make some uh, make some gains and rebound this weekend, but we'll see how it goes. Looking at the rookies, obviously Taylor Slice uh, is in first place. Patrick McMeekin, P20. Mark Paulson, P22. And David Bangert, P24. So those four teams are in the playoffs currently. And then just outside in P26, the team of Bush, Bush, and Busher. And they've been kind of on that line. And, and this time they find themselves on the other side of of that cut line. Speaking of the cut line, we look at the playoffs. Things are starting to uh, separate a little bit. First to 24th is 135 points, which is up from 101 last week. So the, the, the condensed standings that we had seen previously is starting to kind of uh, expand between first and 24th. When you look at your last four in currently, it would be Tracy Norton, number one, Mark Paulson, Kinnick Rolfus, and David Bangert. And then your last or your first four out is Adam Studer, Bush, Bush, Busher, Justin Norton, number three, and Brian Brockman. Quick touch base on, on the, how the standings, you know, how things are starting to spread out. If you think about what track, you know, we've just had, we've had a road course and we've had a super speedway type race. I'm not surprised that these standings are starting to, you know, kind of spread themselves out. You're going to have some major point swings here in these types of tracks. You've got Daytona coming up. You've got a road, another road course coming up. I think the, the standings are going to get a little bit more tight or compact here over the next two or three weeks. But then you hit that road course and you hit Daytona, and I think you'll see it, see it widen back out. So not surprised with that at all, especially with these types of, of racetracks that we have um or have had and then also have had uh coming up on the schedule so just wanted to throw that out there nothing too surprising there in regards to this weekend we're going to the new hampshire motor speedway aka the magic mile and i just wanted to touch base on this because this is probably one of nascar's biggest mistakes all of last year if you recall that they were here last last year it started raining during the race, the cars were still on the track. It was still green. Take lap six, going into turn one. Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, they're one, two in the race. Kyle Busch loses control because the track is too wet. He crashes his car hard. Truex spins out. Danny Hamlin spins out. It just in chaos <laughs> ensues. And NASCAR had a disaster on their hands, to put it politely. Kyle Busch was not happy, <laughs> went and basically was pushing the the uh, the pace car under caution because he was ticked off. And so, you know, they came out and admitted that they made a mistake that she was through a caution. So I just want to preface that. Let's hope it doesn't happen this, this weekend. Forecast looks dry, but I just wanted to throw that out there that last last year's race was, uh, was pretty chaotic with weather and it actually finished pretty late in the night. So... With all that being said, I have four track facts of the week for you guys. Track fact number one, New Hampshire is a relatively newer track. It opened in 1990, owned by Speedway Motorsports Group, same group that owns Texas Motor Speedway. Bruden Smith just passed away, one of the biggest owners in NASCAR in regards to tracks. Fact Track fact number two is New Hampshire is the largest sports and entertainment facility in New England. I thought that was pretty shocking because you think about like Gillette Stadium and how many people go to New England Patriots, you know, football games, 
you, you also got to think about uh, Fenway Park. Uh, apparently, New Hampshire beats all of those out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Track fact number three is it gets so New Hampshire Motor Speedway is called the Magic Mile. And the reason why it's called the Magic Mile is that the track is just over a mile long. It's a mile point zero five eight. So it's basically a short track and the track is really, really, really flat. So if you watch the race this weekend, there's not a lot of banking in the corners. It's a it it can be a really hard track to pass at based on how how flat the track is and and the grooves. I, I don't know if they'll put the resident or the PJ one down to try to create two lanes at this track. We'll see what NASCAR decides to do this weekend, but uh, it can be a hard track to pass. And the last track fact of the night is New Hampshire Motor Speedway is the site of the first single day sporting event in New England to draw over a hundred thousand fans. This record was set in July of 2000, and it, of course, was a NASCAR race. So again, I thought I thought, thought some of those facts were pretty crazy when you think about how big Gillette Stadium is, Fenway, all of the major you know, sporting venues up in the New England area. New Hampshire beats them out. So I thought that was pretty cool. When you look at the driver facts at New Hampshire, Kevin Harvick leads all active drivers with four wins. You then have Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, and Denny Hamlin with three wins. So if you think about this weekend, you've got to think those guys might be in the mix just based on their history in the past. So with all that being said, Josh, time to get to the business at hand. Who is your pick for this weekend at New Hampshire? I'll go first since last week you took my pick. Um, I am going to pick a, a driver. You prefaced it with with three drivers that have won three times, and when I look at that, I think the it's easy to pick certain drivers. I'm gonna go a little bit outside the box, and I'm gonna pick somebody that I has been racing really really fast of late, had some bad luck in some races, but I'm going Kurt Busch to win this race, and Kurt Busch is my pick for this week. That's that is not. Who I thought you were going to say by any means. <laughs> Did you think I was going to pick Hamlin? You are, I thought you might go Kevin Harvick, to be honest with you. Um, I picked him once and he Kevin, burned me. I'm, I'm over Kevin Harvick. <laughs> Kevin Harvick uh, has the most wins out of any driver at New Hampshire. I know. And, and you, think about, you think about last year. So Eric Almirola, Stuart Haas Racing, got his one and only win last year at New Hampshire. And that actually – enabled him to make the playoffs. So I thought for sure you're going Kevin Harvick there. So that is a shocking pick to me. But again, uh, Kurt Busch, he's had some decently fast cars. He has one win under his belt this year. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if Kurt Busch can get another win for 2311 racing. My pick this week, it's, it's not going to be surprising by any means. He's one of the favorites for this weekend's race. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney just because I want to see another new winner on the circuit. He's actually, I believe he's the favorite this weekend at New Hampshire. He's got the best odds. He's got fast cars. He's been fast all year long. He's knocking on the door. I think New Hampshire is the weekend that he finally gets it done. I'm going with Ryan Blaney for the win this weekend. Are you just going to pick Ryan Blaney every week until he wins? Because that, that is a good no, strategy. I mean, no. He's going he's gonna to win at some point. Nope. Again. <laughs> I'm going with my I'm going with my head instead of heart. My head says Ryan Blaine. I again last week he's fast at the super speedways. He was in the mix all he was. all race long, and he finished he finished you know in the top ten. So it's not like that pick was crazy by any means. I think Blaney is going to have a really good weekend. I think Penske, from an overall organization standpoint, has done fairly well at New Hampshire. Logano's got a couple wins as well. So I, again, Ryan Blaney, he's my pick this week. I can, right. pro, I can proud, I, I can make a, a bold statement now and say I'm probably not picking him next week. So <laughs> I hope he gets the job done this this the, or gets the job done this weekend. So uh, you can suffer the punishment that we that we agreed to. Right to be determined at a at a later date. <laughs> yeah, we, we've got we've got It'll three be... days to figure it out. 
yeah, we'll we got we'll figure it out. We'll put our heads together and get get something together. So again, um, we want our listeners. We want our listeners to provide us feedback on what they want us to do here. Do you want it to please. be a pie? Do you want it to be something else? Send us a tweet. Send an email. You guys decide what you want to want to do here. We want your input. So please help us out. All right, Zach. So that is this week's podcast. We did it, and uh, you know. A little COVID and vacation doesn't get in our way. We're still going to come and bring you guys the content that you guys need to enjoy the NASCAR season. So, again, uh, if this is the first episode that you've ever listened to of the podcast, uh, don't judge us by this one. It, it is not the best quality, but we uh, we did what we could to get the podcast out. Zach, it was good talking to you. Glad to see you up and moving. And uh, I'm about ready to go you know, get on some jet skis or something. I don't know. I'm on vacation. Yeah. You, I, I'd rather be where you are right now, feeling healthy on vacation. Um, but you got to do what you got to do. Hopefully this COVID doesn't last too much longer. Um, but again, enjoy your vacation. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'm excited to see how New Hampshire goes. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Atop the Pit Box podcast. See you guys next week. Your day. I lost my mind.